Welcome back to Amsterdam. This is Sling and Quack. I'm Rusty Ryan, joined by Ifo Bumaye. Uh, and we had a very not chill weekend uh, in Seattle. That was uh, not a great outcome. How do you feel about it? Well, Rusty, a lot of things happened in college football last week. Um, I don't recall there being a duck game. But I recall a whole lot of other stuff happening. Um, it was not good. It it hurt my soul. And having to walk into work where I work with two Washington alums also hurt my soul. It was not a fun week. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's frustrating, too, because reports were <clears throat> surfacing or not reports, but rumors were swirling that Herbert was going to play. And if he had played, I would give Oregon an outside shot of winning. I would give us an outside shot of winning. But when it was reported, when it turns out that he was actually not playing, it was, barring any crazy Pac-12 after-dark magic... The outcome is in line with what I was expecting. Yeah, you know, it's... Um, I think everybody was kind of taken off guard by that first drive, um, especially coming off of the Utah game where offensively things were, were running very positively. Um you know, in the Utah game, we had a good mix of, even though we were relatively one-dimensional, we still had a good mix of different types of runs and being successful on those different types of runs. Um, so I think everybody was cautiously optimistic that we were making some real progress on the offensive side of the ball. Um, to be honest, I, I think that the game against Washington tells us more about Washington than it does about us at this point because we know what we are. Um, ever since Herbert went down with the injury, offensively we're a one-dimensional team who struggles to put together drives. Um, we're not the explosive offense that we're accustomed to seeing. And as a result of that, the defense is on the field for quite a bit of time. And eventually, when you're on the field as much as the defense has been, you give up explosive plays and you give up some points. Um, right now, after last week, Washington is rated number three in the S&P Plus. Um, they moved up three spots in the college football playoff rankings this week. So now they're number nine. Um, you compare that to Oregon's rank in the S&P Plus, which is 59. So, which is still higher than I anticipated. Well, it, I th it's still being bumped up by our production when Herbert was healthy. Yeah. Um, because for those first three games, we, we definitely looked like a top 25 team, maybe even a top 2015 team. Um so, 
you know, in hindsight, even though I was optimistic going into this game, uh, especially if Herbert had on the outside chance have played, um, it's really kind of what's to be expected because if you look at this game and the roles were reversed and we were, you know, back in 2013, 2014, when we were top five in the country, we would come in and expect to blow out Washington as well. So yeah, it's hard to get in hindsight, it's hard to get too upset about it. In the moment, it was soul crushing. Yeah, and it was really, it was mostly the third quarter that gave us the score that we have at the end. Because the first quarter, I think Oregon was up 3-0. Yeah, so we started out um, being up, well, we got we got a field goal off the first drive. Um from there, let me look up our exact um, the breakdown. Yeah, it was it was three zero. I think at the end of the first, Washington got a field goal, and then a punt return touchdown, and then an explosion play touchdown. Yeah, it was really it was really the third quarter that looked like where the defense looked like last year's defense, which was one of the worst in the country, like bottom five. Um, and it was, and it didn't look that bad in the fourth quarter. So it, it I think, no, well, I mean, we, we held, we held Washington scoreless in the fourth quarter. Um, and at that point they, they had some backups in sure, but we made a really good goal line stand at the end, uh, which, Again, if one of the big critiques of last year was guys giving up, that's a positive sign for this year because at that point in the game, um, we really, you know, kind of bowed our backs and and, and stood up and made a play. Um, but you're right; it's I think the first half. I was actually pretty impressed with our defense in the first half, even though we went into halftime down. 17 to 3 because right. our defense really stood firm with the exception of two explosion plays. There was the the punt return for a touchdown, right, which, which isn't the defense. That's Which isn't the defense. I mean, that's special teams has been not up special and down here um to say the least. Uh I mean, uh, our I think our coverage has been fine on special teams. But we haven't been having those explosion plays on our return game. Uh, and then there was the uh, fake reverse, which admittedly, that's it's just a really good play call from Washington in the right time. And against a young defense who's really keyed up and trying to make some plays at that point to try and stem the momentum, uh-huh. it was a really good play call. So I felt good about our defense in the, in the first half. The second half is where things just kind of got out of hand in that third quarter um, where all of a sudden, you know, Washington had been moving the ball steadily but hadn't been getting those explosion plays, and all of a sudden they got a back-to-back-to-back. <clears throat> yeah, and last 
the last game too. I don't want to talk about this too much because it was it's literally the exact same stuff we saw against UCLA, uh, the exact same stuff we saw against Washington um, State, where we couldn't put a whole drive together on offense, constantly getting stalled out, no hope of a passing attack, and just having to grind out long drives while the defense just gets kind of hung out to dry in a lot of scenarios, in a lot of situations. Um, but looking at a lot of the plays they were happening, um, and especially the defense, it was similar to last year in terms of doing like 97% of the stuff right, and just that 3% just ruins it. Like... Getting like against UCLA when we were looking at second and four, one drive, and then there's a there must have been some miscommunication on who was supposed to do what, and Burmeister got crushed for for a sack, and so what could have been a third and a four turned into a third and twelve, and there's really no converting on a third and twelve unless you can pass it, um, and then on offense too it was like there were a few plays where. Um, it looked like there could have been a huge play, but someone grabbed the, run- the runner, like maybe a few yards past the line of scrimmage, and it just came down to um, not finishing off blocks. Well, I mean, it was that, and then I think it was also the fact that Washington's defense, like it or not, is despite how much they lost in the NFL draft last year, yeah, uh, they're still a very good defense, and you saw them early on struggle to diagnose our play calls. Um, but once we got in the second half, uh, there's there's like one or two of those jet sweep, kind of fake jet sweeps that are really that really stood out to me where everybody on the Washington defense, pretty much right as the ball was snapped, was attacking the point of attack to the point where we there's nothing that you could do um, because their defense is so fast and our offense was so limited that th- there was only so much that we could do. Yeah, yeah. Let's stop talking about this game because it's, it's just depressing. Um, but one thing that I do want to talk about, which is I saw in the comment section of the Quack Fix um, – I think either the day after the game or maybe on on Monday or so yesterday because uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. How do you feel about making conclusions about Braxton Burmeister through five and a half games of his starting career at Oregon? Because I saw comments that are basically giving up on him. Um, I saw one, one comment in particular that says he's just, you know, a, another version of Chris Harris, um, who's, you know, an Chris athlete Harper. but couldn't really throw. Or Chris Harper, yeah, who, who was an athlete but couldn't really throw. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's <clears throat> entirely too early to say whether someone is going to be a good or a bad quarterback. I think if you you could say that it's 
unlikely that Braxton Burmeister turns into kind of the star of the program that replaces Herbert. I'm sure you're going to go into it a little bit further in your own comments, but I think it's so premature to be making any decisions because you have to remember that Braxton Burmeister was supposed to be redshirting this year. He was not supposed to be playing. And a lot of ways I feel like when the competition has been so good in a lot of ways, like the only bad defense he's played was UCLA. Like that's the only bad defense that he's played so far. Utah's average, but the other ones are all really good defenses. And it's kind of like the bare minimum of accept, like acceptable play is like a six-minute mile. And you were just supposed to be putting in, like, miles at your own casual pace. And all of a sudden, it's like, you have five weeks to run a six-minute mile, and you haven't run any miles yet. Like, I... like, it, it, like it doesn't even really matter. Like, there's, there's no... There's so much that you have to, to work on that five and a half weeks isn't going to get you to, like, an acceptable level of play. I think that's fair. Um... I agree and I don't agree. So I agree that it's too early, in my opinion, to say whether or not that Burnmeister could turn into a serviceable starter at the Pac-12 level. Um, I'm thinking of a guy like Kellen Clements, who maybe even um, for lack of a better example – um, uh, maybe even like a Jeremiah Masoli type guy. Yeah. Uh, I think that Burmeister certainly has the tools, the athleticism um, to be a serviceable quarterback at the Pac-12 level and, and win a lot of ball games. Um, I don't think it's fair to judge Burmeister by comparing him to Marcus Mariota uh, because at when we first saw Marcus Mariota, other than spring game action, um, he had already been in the program for over a year learning a system. I a lot more tools around him. I think it's fair to judge Burmeister against Herbert from last year um, because they were in a similar situation where all of a sudden they came in and they had to start. Um but I think the situation is is slightly different in that even coming out of camp last year, you started to hear rumblings that Herbert may be the guy instead of Pruka. Um, that is certainly not something that you heard this year. Um, this job was Herbert's coming out of camp. And there was no doubt that Burmeister was going to redshirt. Um, now, with that being said... So I, I agree that I think it's too early to decide whether or not he's going to be a could turn into a good quarterback. Yeah. I do not think it's too early to make a judgment whether or not he could be a franchise quarterback, a face of the program type guy, or, you know, one of those guys that's going to be inducted in the CSU or the U of O Athletics Hall of Fame down the line. Um 
because when I look at guys who are like that, uh, I'm thinking of Royce Freeman. I'm thinking of Tyrell Crosby, guys that were forced into starting roles or took starting roles early in their career. Even when they make mistakes, you still see flashes of that greatness in them. Um, I mean, I think Tyrell Crosby's first snap that he played for the Ducks against Michigan State, he got, like, flattened by their defensive lineman. But he came back during that game, and he played really well. Same thing with Royce Freeman. He dominated early in his career against big-name opponents like that Michigan State game. Um, again, I'll, I'll go back to, to basketball because – it's the sport that I love watching, but like even a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is now getting signed to huge endorsement deals from Nike and will probably be a top five NBA player in the next two years. If he's not already, which I would probably argue he is even when he came into the league as a 19 year old and he was super raw, you could still see those flashes of potential and of greatness and I just don't think we've seen that from Burmeister. I think we've seen flashes of competence, um, but we haven't seen flashes of being a game changer. So, in short, I think that there's still plenty of time for Burmeister to, to be a good guy for us. I think there's still plenty of time for Burmeister to turn into a winning Pac-12 quarterback at the Power 5 level. But I don't think I don't think it's too early to judge and say Burmeister is probably not going to be the guy that you build your program around. You're probably going to have to surround him with stud running backs, stud skills position players, which in all honesty right now at the wide receiver level, we really don't have those guys that are the go-to targets. I mean, we have nobody on our team right now has more than 25 catches on the year. Yeah. And that's just not, that's not setting yourself up to do well when you have a true freshman quarterback who's played five and a half games. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the six, five two thirty guy where he could just basically close his eyes and throw it up and say, go get it. Yeah. So that was kind of a long rambling <laughs> dissertation. Um, I, I still have faith in Burmeister. I have faith in the, the recruiting of this coaching staff to be able to put guys around Burmeister in the future um, to, to be successful but I'm under no illusions that we're going to get the next Marcus Mariota or that we have him currently. I think that is yet to be determined depending on how well this, this coaching staff can do in recruiting. Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. I, I'm just sick of the, like he needs to transfer. Like he's just not a D one football player. It's just ridiculous. My last comment on this is basically just going to be like, if we stick in the sport of football, people are saying now that Chip Kelly can't make it in the NFL. They've just shown that he can't do it. At this point in their career, Bill Belichick 
and Chip Kelly have the ex- had the exact same record. Yeah, but Bill Belichick was coaching the Browns, so he had the cards stacked against him. <laughs> Browns were better than. The Browns That's were better right. than. And, and it's the same thing, too, where, well, I mean, last year the 49ers were maybe the, the least talented team in the NFL. I would rather have the Browns roster than the 49ers roster last year. And every week you just heard the opposing coaches talk about how great Chip Kelly was doing with the players that he had. And people still say that, you know, they just washed up. So, I mean, to to piggyback on that, I think that it's very difficult to keep things in perspective um, after a game like we just had. And this is almost part of where pros. I think being a a pro sport fan is almost easier than being a college football fan. One hundred percent. If you're a fan of a pro sports team, you can look at the GM and know that there's someone who has the long-term success of the program in mind. Um, Now, obviously, the athletics director has that in mind, but he's not directly related to just one program. Um, In college football, yeah, we we could like to think that Coach Taggart is going to be here for 15 years and that he's planning for the long-term success of the program. But the reality is in college football, like we've seen with Jim McElwain getting fired, I mean, you have three years to to make a dent, Um, especially at at the level that we are currently at or have been in recent years. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where as a fan, you need to try and take a breath and step back and look at the overall state of the program. And I think right now, despite the recent results of, I guess what, we've been over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks, we're two and five. You know, that doesn't feel good. But if you look at the recruits that are coming in, if you look at the success that our defense has had this year compared to last year and improving, um, if you look at the number of young guys getting playing time and learning yeah. on the job, uh, I, th- I think we're, we're setting ourselves up well to be a player again nationally within the next year and a half to two years. I mean, like, for example there were people that were ragging on uh, Lenore for getting burnt over the top. He, and he's a true freshman. I mean, there, there are going to be learning pains and growing pains. So in the moment, I completely understand, but as fans, we all kind of need to step back and say, okay, I, I kind of see where this is going. And right now we're trending in a positive direction. Yeah. And, and the plus side too is that these freshmen are earning their playing time. They're not just getting thrown out there because they're freshmen. Because as good as it sounds, because this is something I've seen a lot too, as good as it sounds, 
in theory, to put somebody out and get, just get them reps, that is, first of all, dangerous in a sense because you're putting someone out there who's not ready to do what they need to do. Um, and second, coaches cannot start guys who aren't ready to play or who are not as good as somebody else who are in front of them. Because the the leash is too short for coaches now to be giving wins away. And if it's also completely unfair to seniors to not be playing the best players. Um, but also, what could be a clearer signal that you've given up on the season than starting players who are not the best players at their position? Like, there's no clearer signal than... I'm not in it to win it right now, and I'm going to put backups in for all the older guys to just check out. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, okay. Let's move anyway, on. Anyway, let's, let's, let's move, move on. on. So, in other news in college football, the playoff rankings are out. Um, so, we already touched on Washington. They moved up three spots. So, they're, they cracked the top ten. They're number nine. Um, the top five, actually... Are remain unchanged is Georgia, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Oklahoma. So it looks like everything is kind of stable, but true to college football form, I think lurking underneath, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of chaos that happens. Oh, yeah. Because looking at this schedule for this week in particular, we have two matchups at the same time that both feature uh, top 10 teams. We have Michigan State against Ohio State at number 12 and number 13. Uh, There's still a lot of season to play, and it's going to be interesting to watch how this season kind of transforms over the next month. Yeah. Yeah, Auburn hosts Georgia, plays uh, Louisiana Monroe, and then hosts Alabama. They could ruin the playoffs if they win their next three games. Just absolutely decimate it. Now, I don't think that will happen. No, I don't either. But, but it's Auburn fun to think of. Auburn certainly has the talent to do it. I mean... Let's let's quickly review the, this week's schedule because it it has the things of being a very fun day uh, on Saturday. So that's not even talking about the midweek games. We have games. We actually had games tonight on Tuesday, which is action. Uh, Washington plays Stanford on Friday, so that could be interesting because it's a short week for for Washington. Um, and it's at Stanford, so and it's at night. Peterson hates night games. We know that. We do know that. Um, I mean, at this point, for the Pac-12, I think if anybody's going to make the the playoff, it's going to be Washington winning out. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen, and I hope the Pac-12 just misses the playoff because yeah. I would rather have no Pac-12 teams in than the Huskies being in. Yeah. But starting off your Saturday, bright and early, Michigan State is at Ohio State. 
and Oklahoma State is at Iowa State. Personally, I would probably rather watch uh, Oklahoma State at Iowa State just for sheer entertainment value. But both of those games are important. Oh, don't forget, we have the conflict where you you play the UCF. <laughs> how, do, but, how do they spell it again? It's conflict, but con is capitalized. Yeah, so is so is the for Florida. It's it's bad. It's it's so dumb. Um, so that's the I guess what is that nine o'clock time slot for Pacific first shift. Time? First shift. Uh, yeah, so that's the first shift. Then second shift, Georgia Auburn is the highlight. But Clemson Florida State could be fun because we all like Florida State getting beat. Yeah, and they're going to get beat. Uh, Iowa coming off a huge upset go travels to Wisconsin, which I think that they're probably just going to have get beaten over the head with a lead pipe like Wisconsin normally does to people in the second half. But you never know. Um, that has has potential for upsets. Um, USC travels to Colorado, and CU has not been good, but you never know. Weird things happen at altitude. Washington State travels to Utah. Basically, same story. Yeah. Then, for the third shift, the highlight, in my mind, is Bama at Mississippi State. Yup. And then, oh boy, I hope you have multiple screens. I do. Because for the night shift, Notre Dame at Miami, Catholics versus convicts, and at the same time, TCU versus Oklahoma, which the over-under on that should be like 120. I think TCU is going to keep it really low scoring. I am so excited for this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. It actually kind of worked out nicely that this is Oregon's bye week just because there are so many games up that are good. And there's a fifth shift. Hawaii kicking off at 8 p.m. at a law stadium. It's such a good weekend of football. And also, it's Friday, it's almost Washington. It's what? It's almost too much. Almost. And then also keep in mind, too, that Washington uh, at Stanford kicks off at 7.30. Oregon basketball kicks off their season at 8.59 p.m. at home against Coppin State. Do we have a uh, – did Vegas give a line on that game? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, they normally don't, don't give lines for be. those kind of ridiculous matchups. I don't think that's going to be pretty, but it should be interesting because with the amount of new players that we have um, on this team – I mean, we in the first two exhibitions – we literally had Dana Allman start two completely separate starting lineups, and his reasoning was basically just, yeah, I want to see what happens. Yeah, so just, We'll just throw some stuff out there and see how it goes. So that should be fun. Uh, and that's on Pac-12 Networks if you guys want to uh, to have multiple screens up. Um, yeah. You know, the iPad app. Download the iPad app. Yeah, definitely do that. It's. I would say that this week has or last weekend was not fun 
zero fun. Overall, in college football, is a fun week. I was hoping that the upsets would uh, continue into the night, but the bye week can give us a chance to kind of just recalibrate. Hopefully, the team can heal up. Hopefully, we have Herbert for our last two games. Um, and for the for this week, just enjoy college football because as much as we get sucked into like the myopic being an Oregon football fan, this is a really fun sport to follow. And yeah. we're about to head into a very, very fun time of year. Yes. I'm so excited for this weekend. I was looking at it because I was sending over the uh, the the games that we're picking to Sean um, at the beginning of this week, and I was it was really tough narrowing down like which games were, I was gonna have us required to pick and which one go which ones go into the pool of we have to pick two out of like I'll send him three games that we have to pick a set of conference games and like we have to pick X number out of that group. And then the wild card games, which is pretty much like every line, and then we pick two out of. And it was tough trying to figure out which one should be required and which one should be optional. There were just so many. So, it's going to be a fun week. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a good one. I, I don't know. I go to games so every once in a while I'm a little bummed when there's an absolutely stacked weekend and I'm going to be in transit with only one screen the entire time. Um, woes me. Boy, <laughs> woes boy, me. You just live such a hard life. I know. It's really, it's, it's really a shame. It's really a shame. So, all right. Um, any closing comments? You know, I, my only closing comment is to, and I'm all honestly saying this more to myself than I am to anyone else. Just take a breath. And just enjoy what we have because I don't know. We could be worse. We could be we Oregon could have, State. We could we have the hundred and twenty eighth ranked defense. Think, things are moving in the right direction. That's we'll true. be all right. That's true. And if you want to get a and if you want to get a head start on uh, Arizona, they host the Beavers at seven PM on ESPN two. So all those other games, Notre Dame, Miami, TCU, Oklahoma, will probably be in the midway through the third quarter at that point, or just in the first third of the third quarter. Um, that's that's an option too if you just want to watch some some good old Pac-12 football. So that's going to be. I mean, I think we're going to have Herbert back by the Arizona game next Saturday, and. I think that's just an absolute game changer on because then the defense knows that they don't have to carry every single part of the team um, and they also know that uh, that they're going to be getting help on offense that they have a real shot at winning if they keep it together the whole game so I think everything's just going to be a lot better we could have a very good next two months because we could have hopefully we finish with two wins in the regular season Basketball takes care of business in non-conference, and then we we finish with a resounding bowl win. I that that's my ideal scenario, and I think it's very possible. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, 
Hope you guys have a good week. And talk to you guys next week.